good day, eh? Welcome to the Super Good Camping Podcast. I'm Pamela. I'm Thomas. And I'm Tim. And we're from supergoodcamping.com. We're here because we wanted to inspire other families to enjoy camping adventures such as we have with our kids. Today we wanted to talk about a couple of things. We were going to revisit weight versus need when you're backcountry camping and also talk a bit about fishing and if we have time we'll get into leave no trace. So I'll turn it over to Tim to talk a bit about weight versus need. All right, I will refer to my notes because that's how I work. I'm all about the post-its. Chuck asked, uh, and we visited this on the last episode, where weight versus need. Having rethought it a little bit and, and in discussions with Pamela and Thomas, do you really need it for sake of argument? Uh, Thomas and I had a chat about sort of covering our butts for fire starters. Uh, we take backcountry wise, anyhow, we take a click torch, like a barbecue starter. We take waterproof safety matches and we, and a, a usually a flint and a knife. Uh, do we need all three of those? Nope. Uh, we could probably get away with the, just the flint and knife. I like the waterproof matches because they're way easier than, uh, than gathering up little bits of dried out moss and stuff. I, I can, I can light a little heavier bit of stuff. They're not heavy. And we can take two or three packs so that if one bag hits the water, you know, we've got two other packs in other bags that are dry. So that's one, I, you know, maybe I'd leave the click torch behind the, the barbecue lighter, but the rest of it's fine. Got a couple of other thoughts, though. Things like, you know, if you're front country camping, take a whole bin of clothes. If it fits in your car, who cares? If you're back country camping, a particular piece of clothing would be pants. Ones you get from Costco that have the, or I'm sure that they carry them at mountain equipment and stuff like that, but they zip off. So they can be pants and they can be shorts. And since you're backcountry, stinky's sort of the norm. So it's no big deal that you only have one pair or possibly two pair with you. And they do multi-purpose. So there's that much less that you're carrying. Also, knives. I guarantee I carry at least two for backcountry, but many more for front country, like a bin of cooking stuff. But backcountry, you're looking at a fillet knife in the hopes that you're doing some fishing, which we'll get to in a minute. And then sort of the other two options are a buck knife, a la, you know, when you're a kid in scouts, or if you've got a, a multi-tool that has a knife in it, you can use that to whittle some wood down and, and get some shavings for, for starting your fire make yourself a pokey thing to hold up the middle of your tarp because you couldn't do a nice ridge line, whatever that is. Swiss Army knife. You know, again, it's a multi-tool. It's It's got a, a screwdriver for when you're, who knows, something gets broken, you can fix it. It also has a knife in it. So do you need all of those? Nope. I will always take a filleting knife because I'm hopeful <laughs> that I'm going to catch some nice bass or ideally uh, a, a nice brook trout, what have you. And usually a, a multi-tool or, or a Swiss Army as a, as a backup just to have the other multiple things to pry open something or fix whatever. There's the revisit on whether weight versus need, whether you actually need it. So I'm going to take a second here and turn it, this over to Thomas and let him uh, take a run through on the front country and then the very different version, back country, fishing gear. Just a quick note on the uh, want versus need in terms of the multi-tool. Some multi-tools will have a set of pliers in them, which is very useful, including with fishing when you need to pull something out of a fish. So when I take a multi-tool, I tend to take one with a set of pliers in it. That and when, when we pack for backcountry in particular, <laughs> we do have a, a community, like one thing for, for both of us. It's usually just the two of us. 
but we also do pack individually little bits that you know I have to lug mine he has to lug his so I might take a Swiss Army he might take a multi-tool and then we've got those you know the pliers to get the lure out of yeah exactly exactly fishing front country versus back country front country you take everything take things that'll catch you this fish that fish your specialty lures your fancy whatever whatever rubber worms yeah you you take every fishing item that you have that you could possibly ever use one there's two (laughs) there's three and i'm pretty sure there's a fourth there's another one down in the dungeon you know bobbers yeah, a set of flyers. Take all your gear with you. <clears throat> yep. Backcountry, that's a whole lot of weight to lug around. That's far too much to lug around. So we tend to take something a lot smaller. We'll take something like maybe six different lures, maybe three or four bobbers, which are often rather than like in a container, they're just in bags in like smaller pockets because they're small and they're light and they're bright red often so you know where they are we each take a rod generally uh if we're doing backcountry a collapsible usually i mean you can take a piece of crap zebco you know thing you buy crappy tire we have decent rods abu garcia and uh you know a shakespeare rod a collapsible though so that it's it packs up smaller how do we rig them in the boat we use very small bungee cords. Yes. Very, <laughs> very small bungee cords. Use your words. One around the one around the handle and one around the upper end of it, usually. On the crossbars where the, the seat is attached so that it stays in the canoe. And when we flip it upside down, we can generally just leave them in there, as well as when we're portaging it. They generally stay there because they're up out of the way. Same yeah. thing we do with our paddles. Yes. Just Same it's spot. less stuff to carry, but... Makes it super easy to find them. And when we go out fishing, when we've already set up camp and stuff, we don't actually have to look around for them. We always know where they are. They're always already at the canoe. Also, (laughs) the rangers know where they are. Yes. So just, I want to point out, there's a great resource. It's called Fish on capital O, capital N, dash line. It's an Ontario Ministry web resource. Uh, you can figure out how to get your fishing license. You can see what what stocking, as far as fish goes, for what lakes, uh, what other species are natural there. It's a great, great resource. Thomas and I ran into a bit of an issue last year in Killarney where I had done a boatload of reading and somehow I missed the words fish sanctuary. I knew that because of the acid rain from from Sudbury, the lakes were in in bad shape because of acid rain. They were still coming back as far as fishery goes. They had been, you know, essentially killed. I knew that some of the fishing fishing was off limits in some lakes during certain periods, but I didn't realize there was no fishing at all in some of the lakes. And thankfully was a good ranger but they came it's actually the only time we've been back country we've actually run into rangers they came whatever one one morning and uh there was a bit of a to-do about it they didn't charge us we hadn't caught anything was was unintentional but use that resource to check whether you can fish there or or what what things are in season what what aren't it will also help you if you're backcountry camping what type of lures the, the very small package of lures you're going to take with you. Yeah, I think that covers fishing. 
if it's okay, I would like to address, it's a philosophy, I guess. It's called Leave No Trace. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. With the world that we live in these days, with the pandemic, I see a stunning number and a stunning array of posts uh, about people finding crap in the backcountry or finding themselves in situations that shouldn't exist. Speaking specifically for Thomas and I, we went into, uh, I can't think of the name of the lake now, in Killarney last summer. It was a two-portage. It was very long. It was a lot of work to get in there. Um, it was the only site on the lake, and we showed up to that site to find a frying pan, oh, multiple yes. grates, like steel grates left over, propane canisters, food, not like a bag of food, but crap, plastic bags, leftover bits from from somebody doing a, a Jiffy Pop popcorn. It was quite sad. It's a lot of work to get there. And and I get that you're taking heavy things in and you don't want to lug them back. So do some research. Realize that you're going way in there and that that's a bad thing. You're supposed to, it's supposed to look like you were never there. That's part of the deal of being in nature, being that, enjoying that wonderfulness is that you leave no trace. You know, you pack it, we pack out, I would say, well, Pamela and I were talking earlier. I, I, I was talking, Pamela was listening. They're, they're, I'm good at that. <laughs> Yes, she is. I'm good at talking. I have lots of practice. In case you hadn't noticed. Ontario Parks, uh, especially for the backcountry stuff, there's a yellow garbage bag that when you when you sign in or at the, whatever the access point is, they, they've got these garbage bags. It's bigger than a, than a grocery bag from Loblaws or whatever. It's a little heavier duty. Thomas and I pack out at least half of one of those, often a full one of those of stuff that we didn't take into the backcountry. That's crazy. That's insane. And it's worse now. I mean, you watch, I saw a post by Kevin Callan where somebody had packed in a, a case of Coca-Cola and left it there, left a bag of, I can't remember, some kind of food. And I think there were fuel cylinders as well. Like, wow. I've seen pictures where, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, that's great. They built a lean-to. Yeah, they cut down trees to build that lean-to. Live trees, not not dead brush. You By all means, collect that up, use it for your fire. Whatever you want to do, build yourself. I don't care. Build yourself a deck out of dead stuff. Don't cut down live trees, man. I, I understand that people are new to it or are getting in thinking it's, you know, anybody can do this sort of thing. Because by and large, if you choose the right place, yeah, anybody can do it. Be respectful of nature. Be respectful of what you're getting yourself into. Don't operate outside of your abilities. Research. Treat it nice. It's going to treat you well. I don't know. That's. I guess that's kind of it. I just. It makes me sad. Well, and even front country camping, we often clean up our campsite, and that's collecting bottle caps, collecting those juice straw wrappers are all everywhere in the campsite. Yep. Bread tags, like just we'll we'll always end up having to clean up things like that out of our campsite, which just is wrong. Within we are all about loving nature and taking care of the environment and. To see things like that is sad, particularly for people that should also be loving nature. That's part of the joy of camping is that it, it, it engenders a, a love and a respect for our environment. And that's it for us for today. Uh, I'm Pamela. I'm Thomas. I'm still Tim. And we're from supergoodcamping.com. We would love it if you would email us. Our email address is hi at supergoodcamping.com. That's hi at supergoodcamping.com. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. See ya. Sayonara.